You're listening to a Make Mom Proud Project. <clears throat> I was silly. Y'all, I know I normally have a lot of like feelings and introspection to kick off these episodes, but it is a double recording day for Team Star Wars Made Me Gay. So I have watched both Empire and Return of the Jedi today. And my main takeaway, Star Wars is so gay. I mean, Luke strutting into Jabba's palace with all the fabulous swagger in the world. The sheer chaos of said palace. The awakening of so many of us, regardless of gender and sexuality, that we had thanks to a lot of the costumes in this movie. I know that Leia's gold bikini gets the most attention and like, yeah, damn. But also, can we talk about Luke's all-black Jedi ensemble? Because I swoon. And really... It's just been such a delight to sit with my friends all afternoon and shout at Disney Plus every time Luke Skywalker does something we have deemed to be even vaguely queer on screen. So now, gearing up for our third episode, I'm finding that that's what being a queer Star Wars fan means to me so far. It means that I am not a fan in isolation. I share these stories and journeys and headcanons and moments of euphoria with so many friends besides myself. It's a joy to be here with you. And that's really all I have to say up front today. Welcome to Star Wars Made Me Gay, Episode 3. I'm Danny Hurd. Here we go. Our guest today is our wonderful friend, Watkins. Watkins, my very first question for you, how's it going today? It's going very well, my friend. How about you? Oh, it's great. Having a, again, having like a double recording day. So just deep into the Star Wars, which is always a good time. Always the best time. <laughs> for our, our listening audience out in the galaxy, could you give us a little introduction and a little background on yourself? Say that one more time. You cut out for just a moment. I'm so oh, sorry. no. It's okay. We are doing this virtually. We are learning. Can we get a little Watkins introduction, a little Watkins bio? Sure. Um, I am a singer, actor, dancer in Atlanta, as is probably most of our friends and family. <laughs> um, I do professional thanks to the pandemic, mostly full time. And my Star Wars backgrounds ones family blood deep. It has been a lifetime love. <laughs> okay. That leads me to my sort of first official question. And I kind of have been asking everybody, but how were you first introduced to Star Wars? Um, so like probably most 90s kids, um, it was shown to me by my parents but more specifically, and in a kind of weird, small world, cool way, my dad is was a toy designer for my entire life until he retired. Um, and he worked at Warner Brothers, which is who used to be Kenner. And if you know anything about the Star Wars toys, Kenner products did the Star Wars toys. So getting to go to work with him, there's just like a lot of like 
Star Wars that like leaked into his like work setting and stuff and just kind of influenced the random factory reject toys that I was around all the time growing up. And so that was kind of my first inkling was seeing the posters and the figures in his office and then getting to be shown the movies. Um, and it kind of like jumped off from there. That's so cool. Did you have, you mentioned like reject toys. Did you have a favorite you can tell us about? I did actually, um, of the many. So I don't know if you've seen like an unpainted figurine of any kind, they're usually in that like blue, like baby blue, like I think it's like polyurethane or some kind of material. Um, and this particular one was a model figure of like the original A New Hope poster where like Luke has his lightsaber held high above his head and Leia's like sitting by his knee. And it's very like, very cool, like cult classic, like 70 movies poster. And it was a figure of that, but it was unpainted. And Luke's little, <laughs> his little lightsaber um, came in and out of his hand. I'm fairly certain that's because it was broken. I don't think it was supposed to do that, but I thought it was like meant to. I don't know what you would replace his lightsaber with, but you, know, I thought <laughs> <laughs> you just, you know, give him, give him a teacup or give him a flower, whatever right. he wants, whatever makes him happy. <laughs> poor, poor little unpainted Luke. Right. Just trying to live his life. Right. Leia's got the cool blaster and you remove his lightsaber and he's like, well, now what? <laughs> <laughs> so, were your parents uh, like hardcore Star Wars fans like before you were born? Like, was that always part of their story? I wouldn't say like, like hardcore maybe, but they're definitely into it. Like we've, as a, we've always been just like a nerd family in general. Like my mom read me Harry Potter when I was a kid. Um, we watched Lord of the Rings as a trilogy marathon every year. Like it was just kind of part of the, part of the lexicon, I guess. But Star Wars was always like super cool because that was something that they got to experience firsthand like in the 70s when it came out. So that adds mm -hmm. like, a whole nother level of like, back in my day, I was there when, you know, and the <laughs> of seeing it is always very cool to hear. It's funny, like what that reminds me of thinking about our generation who sort of inherited Star Wars from our parents' generation. Um, yeah. My friend uh, Nick Faircloth told a story one time, another big Star Wars fan in the Atlanta theater community. And he talked about how Star Wars was always there, that it was like the Bible or Beatles lyrics. And that quote has always yeah. stuck with me. Wow, yeah, my gods. <laughs> right? Like, cause it is, it's just, I think for those of us who grew up in a world where it already existed, it just, it it already permeated so many spheres. Cause I, I mentioned in the first episode of this podcast. Um, so my parents weren't big star Wars nerds in, in the sense that they were like fans of the films. Um, so I actually got introduced to star Wars by going to Disney world and writing star tours. What? That's very yep. cool. That was my first, like, what is this? This is so cool. And so my little brother got really into the movies when we got home from that trip, but to feel like we could already step in, to this fully realized world that had been created before we came along, I think is sort of a cool benefit of almost being this like second wave of like Star Wars fans is, is yeah, what I'm absolutely. choosing to call us. Yeah. <laughs> did you go to the, um, did you get to experience it in Florida or California? 
the Star Tours ride? Um, so I've only ever been to Disney World in Orlando. I have not yet been to Disneyland. That's okay. They're no different. It's just the Florida one is slightly cooler in that. I don't know if they've changed this, but like the outside of the ride is like the forest mood of Endor, which they right. don't have in California. So I'm sure <gasps> being like a kid and getting a, this ride you've never been on, but also like literally stepping into the world of Star Wars that just as a whole just sounds like a really dope experience. <laughs> Wait, so what is the queue like in California? The queue on the inside is also Star Wars themed, but the outside, I'm fairly certain, now you're quizzing me. I haven't been there in four years. Um, no, it's okay, I'm so like, sorry. <laughs> it's, in, um, it's in Tomorrowland. So it's just like part of like the space. Oh, interesting. See, I forget having not been to California, like I forget that they don't have that distinction of, well, this is at Epcot, this is at Hollywood Studios, like it's all there at Disneyland. Right. Um, oh, all right, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of the forest moon of Endor, I know you yes. watched Return of the Jedi today. What, um, where does Return of the Jedi sort of rank in your, your Star Wars heart? So it's it's high up there. I was actually when um, they asked me which film I wanted to talk about, I was kind of like taken aback that no one had completely called dibs on any of the original trilogy movies when mm. I was asked. Um, and A New Hope and Return were like tied for first for me, and then my second place is like tied Empire and Rogue One, and then like everything else just kind of like falls into dominoes under them. But it's always been. The original trilogy has always been like number one, and obviously you mentioned it in your um in your little monologue earlier. Leia's gold bikini is just kind of like a standout for everybody, but there's so <laughs> many cool, like separate. I feel like we got a lot of like generic space cool stuff in A New Hope, but we see so much more of the universe in Return of the Jedi that like I think that's what always stuck out to me. You see so many different like creatures and races in Jabba's palace and we meet Boba Steel and the forest moon and I'm a box were like a marketing ploy and they're like four kids and a lot of people don't like them but I love the Ewoks and I thought it was great so it's always been one of my favorites for those and many reasons. Watkins I will unite with you on behalf of Ewoks I love them um, Thank you. <laughs> I love Ewoks and I always I always bristle at that argument that like oh, Star Wars just added this to like sell toys or for kids. And I'm like, what a cynical, I mean, like, sure. Right. But uh, we all bought into that and we're having a good time. And they're, they're, and they, they are an instrumental part in that final battle. You're welcome. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> People like to make fun of them for being teddy bears, but those are some savage AF teddy bears. I don't know if we can yes. swear on this podcast, so I'll try not to. But like, they're straight up just like clubbing these like stormtroopers to death with rocks. And I'm like, that's, that's pretty intense. <laughs> Was there anything in rewatching Return of the Jedi today and knowing sort of the the queer theme of this podcast was there anything that stood out to you or maybe sparkled for you on a different wavelength than than in previous viewings um, there's um i'm gonna kind of just like glaze over the gold bikini because we would be doing return of the jedi a disservice if we didn't talk about it um, absolutely get into it wanna, like, <laughs> um obviously it's it's a dope as fuck 
like outfit. It's very scantily clad and it's very shiny and it's very cute, but also I don't know something about the fact that like, yes, they put her in this like kind of slutty outfit, but then she also ends up like murdering her own oppressor while wearing said outfit. Just as like a whole like another level of like feminism that I think is really fucking dope. They could have very easily let her sit there in that bikini and had Luke cut her chains or, you know, kill Jabba or have Han swing into the rescue. But Leia freed her own damn self <laughs> and in that outfit specifically. And I think that's that's just so dope. That's just like, I just thought that was so cool. But also I'm glad that you mentioned Luke's all black outfit because there are multiple times when I was looking at those like knee-high riding boots. Yes. Like, leather riding boots. And I'm like, okay, Luke, I know you're a good guy, but like, damn, way to be wearing your daddy's outfits. I'm just saying. Right? <laughs> I think I that's such a good point. Just, like, runs the family. It's just like a Skywalker thing. They don't talk about it a lot, but they know what they look good in. Right. It's just like a vibe. He's like, mm, I'm feeling the force connection with these boots, Henny. Yes. <laughs> uh, now, Watkins, I hope this is okay, but I, it, it occurs to me, because um, we've worked together before, we're buds. Um, I'm wondering, <laughs> since you've brought up costumes, have you ever done any Star Wars cosplay? God, I have not, and I want to so, so bad. I have a what I call a fair hoodie. I got it at the Southern California Ren Fair and it's made of like stitched together sweaters and it's like what I call like burnt gay, which sounds bad, but it's like this like dark rainbow color. Ooh. And it's this giant hood and it looks like it would be like a gay Jedi night robe. And every time I put it on, I'm like, man, I should make like an original character and just be like this super or like even better, like a gay Sith. <laughs> just like, oh, that would be so cool. Right. And I've seen a lot of like crossover art where they take like avatar characters and make them Jedi or Sith or whatever. And I'm like, that would be super fun to do as well. Do you have a dream? We've talked about this before on the show, sort of talking about mm -hmm. like, who are the Star Wars characters that you have that strong identification with? Do you have like, a character in your heart who you want to kind of see yourself within? Ooh. Ooh, asking the tough questions today. Oh, oh yeah, we're going um, for it. <laughs> um, the whole, I'm very thrilled that the Mandalorian, like Mandalorians as a race have gotten their due now because of the series. But Boba Fett's always been one of my favorites. So being a Mando of any kind, not specifically Sabine Wren, even though I love her, mm -hmm. um, would be very, very cool. But any kind of bounty hunter. There's also, I do, I love the Sith, man. Asajj Ventress <laughs> is in the Clone Wars, and she is, I think, highly underrated. And there's so much... I don't know any kind of like Sith and or Jedi, but that's not like a humanoid. Does that make sense? Like any Absolutely. Other that we haven't gotten to like that. We only get a little bit of, I'd love to see more of those and probably would other than Leia. Leia is an obvious answer though. I feel like I want to say Leia. Cause she was like, okay, this is my, like not my deep dark secret, but my big star Wars like claim to fame is that Luke Han and Leia were my first imaginary friends. Like <laughs> when I, I said, love that. When I say, like, since I was a child, like, that has been it. And I, either Leia was my friend or I wanted to be here and I could never really tell. And then when we got to the bikini thing, it was very confusing. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to be with her or want to be her. It's, I don't know. But 
she was the first like powerful female like icon that I probably in my memory that I was introduced to. I feel like I can safely say that. And especially in a sea of strong male characters, that kind of sticks with you, you know? <laughs> like, it just kind of stands out. So whether it would be like, and I don't even know if it'd be Princess Leia, I think maybe General Organa would be more of like, more my vibe now as I age. Um, but I think Princess Leia just as like the OG, like female, powerful, independent, badass icon would probably be who I most relate to. What a long way to answer that question. <laughs> Um, that was a beautiful answer. I support you. And I want to, circling back a little bit to something you said, I think you're 100% right about the the sort of the Leia kind of taking back the gold bikini moment. And I think that's why that's a costume we see so often still at like Dragon Con or other cosplay opportunities yeah. is I think because it's not just that it's this, you know, ooh, like super dreamy outfit, but also the sort of, the power she reclaims while she's wearing it. Like, and, and Carrie Fisher always has that beautiful quote about like, yeah, we'll explain to your children that I didn't like the space slug who made me wear it. So I killed him. Um, right. I'm, I'm misquoting, but yeah. So I think that's probably <laughs> why I, I think that costume sort of became like, was able to achieve icon status with, like in addition yeah. to just being a sexy outfit. Like there's more to it. I think you hit upon that. Wait, what'd you say? No, I said 100%. I just, I'm agreeing with you. That's all. <laughs> oh, great. We are on the same page. I love it. Uh -huh. What else? Okay. So you mentioned uh, Boba Fett and I actually, I want to be honest with you because I, until probably season two of the Mandalorian, like I'm on board now. I never understood mm -hmm. the appeal. I never got Boba Fett. So can you can you talk to me about where your Boba Fett love comes from? Because I never got it as a kid. Sure. Um, it's definitely taking just what we get in Return of the Jedi. There isn't much to go on. He's just got this really dope outfit. And people are like, people treat him with this sort of reverence. And it's mm. never explained in Return of the Jedi. They're just like, oh, Boba Fett. And he's just like, Jabba's lackey or whatever. But he also has a jetpack. And I think that's really important. Because people love the jetpack. <laughs> um, and then, again, just in the toy thing, specifically, the Boba Fett figure with, like, the launching jetpack thing is, like, one of the most rare Star Wars toys, like, of all time. Um, but he gets extra love in because he was like double reintroduced or re he was reintroduced first in. Oh, and now I'm going to like, I'm going to misquote myself in like the Christmas special was where we either saw him first and then he was in Return of the Jedi or vice versa. But that's where we got more of him. And he just kind of. I don't I think, again, I mentioned earlier, just like seeing things that aren't humanoids or whatever. And Boba Fett's like, you don't see his face. But he's got a cool color. Is he's got the red and the yellow and the green, which is something we don't really see a lot of in like the grays and the blacks and the whites. So mm. maybe just like color and aesthetic wise, and he's he's got this mystery to him, you know? We really don't learn a lot about him. And I never I haven't read the book. So maybe there was information about him that I was not privy to until we get to like the prequel trilogy and now the series and stuff. But there's just like Who's this cool assassin that like everybody like is in awe of and respects and has a jetpack, but also never says a single word. 
but is like somehow completely revered as just like so like badass. <laughs> I guess he does. That's interesting because uh, yeah, it's a very striking aesthetic. So I guess Boba Fett really operates sort of on that show don't tell policy in terms very. of like we see him and we don't totally get it, but like you know he's a badass and you know he's you know, the only one capable of, of pulling off all of these specific missions and stuff. Um, sure. And we just don't need more than that in that context. Yeah. And I don't know if that was intentional from the beginning um, based on like source material, but there's obviously now we know because of the series and stuff that like Mandalorians in general are like a warrior race and they just kind of come with that like built in respect. Um, so I'm sure, if that was intentional, I hope it was because that makes it even more cool. But I can see how now knowing more about them that like, oh, yeah, now I get it. Now I get why we're all like, oh, shit, Boba Fett, what's up? Yeah. Oh, I, I agreed. I definitely. Whew. <laughs> Season two of The Mandalorian, y'all. <laughs> what a time. I have not I have not watched it yet because I. Like, oh, I, I will not say anything then. Sorry. It's, I mean, I'm still. I'm still on Tumblr and the internet, so I kind of got all the spoilers already, which is fine, because now I'm, like, emotionally prepared for anything, but I just don't know, like, the how or the journey, but I'm sure it's amazing. I've heard nothing but phenomenal things. You just mentioned Tumblr, and that I, I need to ask. <laughs> Watkins, are you into any Star Wars fan fiction? Oh, God. <laughs> um, I couldn't name any specifically, but, like, if it exists, I'll read it. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, yeah, I hear you. Couldn't name the title, but anything that exists, like, is art. Like, I just love headcanon things in general. So, fan fiction, anything that was from the unfortunately now retcon Star Wars expanded universe, I love it. Yeah. Anything, like I said, I'm a completist. Like, I just I want to like absorb knowledge. So, the more like fun, weird stories I can have in my brain, I love. Most specifically, the most recent like tumblr guilty pleasure thing i stumbled upon is in relation to rebels and i know we're not talking about animated series but i'll just that's say okay that, get into it okay great um gareth Zavarelius is like the purple lasat and then there's this like fanship of him and ex-imperial officer um agent callus and it's probably my favorite thing in the world so That's amazing. I was about to ask you if you had a favorite queer Star Wars headcanon. That's it. That's the one. All right. percent You know, it's, I have and not. the two like kissing girls in the uh, sequel trilogy that have no names and they're just there and kissing on screen. And I was like, yay, ladies. Yeah, there they are. Oh, now they're gone. Okay. <laughs> That's, I still need to get into, um, I have not yet done a deep dive on the animated series like that's my big like 2021 resolution to do so i'm very excited to like know what's going on in clone wars and rebels if there's so many they do a really phenomenal job of like doing their own storytelling but then putting in these really solid nods to the other series and like these characters that are like well known and well loved and expanding on some that we really didn't get much of. And they're really good. Let me know when you watch them. Because I'm I'm curious to see what you think. And I might just like rewatch them with you, honestly. <gasps> I'm that sounds fun. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. So broadening out a little bit. Um, I have another like big question for you. So okay. get ready. Okay. <laughs> um, 
So obviously, besides like our own head cannons and our two lady friends in Rise of Skywalker, we don't have a ton sure. of canonical queer representation, at least in the film series. Um, mm -hmm. So beyond the fact that Star Wars is just, you know, Star Wars, it's a huge cultural phenomenon. What do you think it means to be a queer Star Wars fan? Like, how do those things intersect if they do at all? Ooh. I, right. I said it was a big I one. I'm sorry. Just, like, <laughs> um, I think just the fact that that exists says a lot about the fandom itself. Because um, there are, I'm sure, fandoms and franchises that very easily lend themselves to not having a diverse fan group. Um, so the fact that, and nerd culture in general is very good about that. And because of the origins of what that is and like the little guy, you know, achieving over the big guy and things like that. But very specifically, you're right. Star Wars is very gay, like probably more so than a lot of other fandoms. And there's gotta be a reason for that. So for some reason, something about seeing these tiny rebel alliances, like achieve big things over like insurmountable odds over and over again. And even though it started out with literally only what one two speaking female characters in the trilogy it has grown to this thing that has clearly attracted a hugely diverse fan base including a exceptionally large amount of queer people myself included and i think that just speaks volumes to the content and to like how <laughs> i don't want to say like pure but kind of pure and just like joyous and like good versus evil that it is like at its heart, at its root, you know? Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. And I'm, I'm giving you snaps specifically for the, for joyous, because what really, what struck me watching specifically the end of Return of the Jedi today, in comparison with thinking back about, you know, we just recently had the end of the prequel trilogy and Rise of Skywalker and thinking about Revenge yeah. of the Sith. And to be fair, I have not seen Revenge of the Sith in a minute and I have only seen Rise of Skywalker once, but mm -hmm. When I think of the endings of those trilogies, um, I I feel like I still think of of pain and loss more than I think of joy. Whereas I think of the end of Return of the Jedi, and even though, you know, obviously there have been huge losses and great sacrifices and a lot of pain and hurt, the the sheer joy of like we're partying with Ewoks on Endor yeah. and you know, and, and sort of everyone's there because our, our force ghosts have come back to kind of check us out and we're in this found family. Like, and honestly too, it, it really sort of thinking of the found family aspect of Star Wars. I, I had a weird moment of melancholy clocking for myself, watching Return of the Jedi, now knowing what happens in the prequel trilogy, or sorry, the sequel trilogy, oh. which I which I am a fan of, but to watch the end of Return of the Jedi and clock, this is the last time I will see Han, Luke, and Leia together. Oh, wow. Woof. Right? Oh, it kind of broke my heart today. And that was a big, hard thing to to sort of accept that it's sort of this, this last that we see. I mean, I like to think that before everything went sideways and we ended up where we do in force awakens that there is yeah. more joy for those characters um yeah i mean you but have there, to think i mean there's clear there's got to be a certain amount of time that passes before like han and leia even have ben or whatever so like 
I would like to assume that after that, they just get like flown around by the Rebel Alliance to all these like grand parties and like political meetings and like handshaking events of just like, you did it, huzzah, slaps on the back. Yeah. Like, party. Ten years like, a, like a victory tour or something. <laughs> yeah, something. But I deserve it. <laughs> I do think there is a unique joy to Return of the Jedi, though, that I think is sort of the most we get in, in maybe the entire film franchise like i would agree i think the only thing that maybe even comes close is the like party on naboo mm. but that's sort of like an isolated moment and it's not galaxy wide which is so funny because they put this huge emphasis on this giant party in naboo for like this only this one planet's like freedom or whatever but the rest of the whole like saga goes by and we only get this major celebration when the entire galaxy is freed, not every time we have these minor celebrations. So it's a very weird contrast. I'm glad that you pointed that out. I was also making note of the music too at the end of Return of the Jedi. It's so very like like pingy and bright and like fun compared to all like the super like serious epic like musical moments you get throughout the series. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and isn't there, hold on, I'm looking it up real fast. Cause isn't there, okay. aren't there different versions of the Ewok song? Yes. Absolutely okay. there has to be. Okay, yes. Thank you. That's like the Cantina um, song. There's like little versions of it that just like keep cropping up that they use over and over again. Right? I think the the original... I They're going to eviscerate us in the comments. I'm assuming there are going to be comments. I know. But, um, oh, I'm sure. I've fully prepared myself to get schooled. <laughs> I know, me too. Team, this is supposed to be fun. Everybody calm down. Um, I can like hear it in my head when you say that too. That's what's haunting me. So even if there's not, I understand what you're saying because I know what you mean. <laughs> because it's the Ewok celebration, otherwise known as Yub Nub, I think is the song yes. in the original release. But I think when they re-released Return of the Jedi, in the 90s, I think they changed, or in the special editions, maybe it wasn't the theatrical release, but whenever the special edition where like we have Hayden Christensen as a yes. force ghost, also, I think there's a different Ewok song. And I, okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I, in rewatching it, I felt like every 10, 15 minutes I was having whiplash because I was like, that's not in the movie. What's, right? This is new. This is new. And at what point, I guess I just missed this, but I'm like, I, I remember people freaking out over Hayden Christensen's Force Ghost being there, which I, okay, I get for context, but the OG purist in me is still mad that I don't at least have the option to see the original because I just feel bad for the actor who played the OG Darth Vader. And I'm like, what a snub to just be like straight up erased. But then also all the CGI stuff, they just add like, the extra musical number in Jabba's Palace for no reason. Um, I like super want to talk about Jabba's Palace, so yes. Okay, please. And then there's also like random bits of just like um, like CGI B-roll to like, and bless him, Austin kept saying, I was like, what is this? And he goes, it's for context. And I'm like, who needs context? You jump from one place to another and you're inside. You don't need to see the outside of the spaceship you're in. Like, I don't. I don't think it was necessary, but I guess if somewhere in the 2000s they were like, hey, we have CGI now, we should add a bunch of cool shit for no reason, then like power to you, whatever, I guess. But I still 
I'm still bitter. <laughs> I want to see the old one. <laughs> no, I feel the same way because especially like the Jabba's Palace stuff is so jarring with yes. the like that CG standing out so starkly against real actors and practical effects. And it's just so like, and also to it's put that painful. on top, it is. Um, I do want to brag though, I will have a love in my heart always for the lead singer of the Max Rebo band, Cy Snoodles, because she was an answer once to Star Wars trivia at a bar. Um, and I knew it. And I will always love her for helping me achieve victory. So like, despite they, her- I feel like they have Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. You finish. Oh, no, you go ahead. I feel like the she's the one with like the really long snout and the tiny lips at the end, right? Yes, that's that's her. She, I feel like, because I remember her from the original one. So I feel like they had like a practical effect of her at some point, but maybe just much less briefly in it. And they just added more CGI of that same character later. Because I that I have remember her from always but I don't remember there's like yes. another lead dude singer that they added for some reason that looks kind of like a like a Diddy Kong character almost <laughs> he totally like does weird, like monkey amorphous thing bipedal person and I just didn't understand <laughs> you are absolutely right um Sai Soodles is in the original Return of the Jedi uh but yeah she's got this yeah. sort of uh uh co co-singer in the new one yeah and they have like a backup I, trio that i don't remember either so maybe they were yeah. there as well there's like the blue twi'lek and the cool girl that looks like she was from the thundercats series and yes somebody else middle. yeah so weird i just want to meet the person who was like guys 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 i know we're re-releasing the movie I have an idea. <laughs> I can out. fix this. Right? I can make it better. <laughs> oh man. I Who's your favorite I, like weird other character in Jabba's Palace? Like other than <gasps> what was her name? You knew her name. Oh, Sai Snoodles. Sai My so what a great name. <laughs> I have said this before and I will say it again. Star Wars names are my favorite thing. Because they're so silly. They're so good. <laughs> oh, who's my really? other... Specifically in... Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of who else is my... I mean, honestly, I'm here for the band. So I've, like, Max Rebo always looks kind of cuddly to me. Yeah. Um, what about you? Who's your favorite Jabba's Palace creature? I'm cheating because he's probably the only other one with a name. But Salacious Crumb. Oh. Just like being he looks like those dogs like the chinese crested ones that are hairless but they have fur on their ears but he's like an alien version of one i just like i want to be the tiny small character in a large scene that just gets to sit in the side and like laugh and point at things like what a great game <laughs> i know he was a puppet i know it wasn't a real person but like how fun <laughs> he's a good puppet uh yeah, which again yeah. i think is like this part of why the CG is so jarring in the re-release is because like these puppets are so good. Like they're so tangible and there and like, ah, you're throwing me off. You don't need the CGI. I think it's just from that generation too, when they were just like, oh, we can do this really cool thing now. Let's do it because we can, but that never meant that they should. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Uh, so I'm going to ask you another question that I ask everybody. Okay. If you could bust into a Disney boardroom right now and okay. they could grant your wish to make any Star Wars character some kind of queer, who do you want and why? Oh, that's so difficult. There's so many. I know. Okay. You can, I mean, you can have more than one because we're, we're friends. <laughs> I think, oh, thank you. Um, I think my, the easiest and like obvious answer for me is also my gay ship is um, Zeb and Callus because I haven't finished Rebels yet. So I don't know if it's a real thing or if it's just an internet thing. If it is a real thing, then that doesn't count. And I'm going to do another answer. <laughs> um, I think, whew, feel like I was just watching something and I was like wow that person needs a gay romance and it might have been Ahsoka and it might have mm. been somebody else but I think Ahsoka is a great character to deserve something like that because ah, I don't need spoilers but after her journey and story in Clone Wars there is like a brief time that we don't or at least I'm not aware of her story maybe it's in the books or something and I would love to see her like get to have this like cool private life later where she like finds love with a nice lady somewhere and like kind of settles down and like retires that would just be she fucking deserves it <laughs> i love that i think i think there are a lot of star wars characters for me that i'm like oh i just you know whether you're however you identify you know not specifically queer but like where i just want to sure. see them happy yes god like all of them if that could be my thing be like hey disney Listen, I know you're trying to like tell stories, but also bad endings are sad endings and sad endings are bad endings. So what if you just like, hear me out. What if you just like didn't kill anybody else and let everybody live happily ever after? You're usually pretty good at that. <laughs> well, again, I think that's part of why Return of the Jedi hit so hard for me today. It really was just does. like, oh man, this is like really the last time we see everybody okay. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, and you know who know. somebody jumped out at me that I did not realize made it through the whole trilogy, but the the dark-haired X-Wing pilot that's like Luke's buddy from A New Hope, he's oh, yeah. in Return of the Jedi. He survives all of these battles. And at the end, I was like, oh shit, that's like his friend. So to see that like, they, they killed off all these other pilots in however many battles, but they like picked the one person that Luke knew from his past life and we're like, hey, you get a pass. I thought that was right. really cool. Right. At the very end, they just like hug briefly. And I was like, fuck, that's so cool. <laughs> like somebody made it out. Something nice happened in the galaxy. It's not right. always <laughs> horrible stuff. And Lando too. And Lando. Like, I want to know what, what Lando does. <laughs> like with his money, I'm sure that he made. Uh, I would... I know Disney's got a lot of series to make, but if they ever wanted to do a Lando standalone series with Donald Glover and like continue that journey, um, oh, yes, because that was so fun in Solo. Like, I don't love everything about that movie, but I did love Donald Glover in that movie very much. I think it's safe to argue that that probably was one of the best parts of that movie. Yeah, no, I think you're right. <laughs> Just like... That and then, like, the subtle nods to the rest of, like, the Star Wars extended universe with, oh, God. Oh, what's her name? Uh, Daenerys Targaryen's character, but in Star Wars. Uh, Kira. Thank you. 
with the like Sith organization that she's like a part of Loki because of that gambler dude. Wow, I'm really butchering all of these people. I clearly only saw Solo once when I was doing my like canonical rewatch of the whole saga. Right, no and worries. I, I think I also have only seen it. I saw it in theaters and then was like, I'm good for a while. I'll, I'll come back to this someday. <laughs> You're like, thank you, Donald Glover. Thank you for like him meeting Chewie and the origins of their relationship. But like, other than that, um, <laughs> I don't know uh, what else was the point of that movie. <clears throat> what, is there anything else? This is just like a broad, unhelpful question and I apologize. Um, <laughs> What else do you want to talk about for Return of the Jedi? Like, what else makes you happy? What else What else is fun for you in that story? I want to make sure we cover whatever you want to cover. There's a lot of... So, as any thing, when you rewatch something, the older you get, you notice all these, like, details and, like, not plot holes, but I just found myself wondering, like... um, They open, obviously, with, like, Leia slash Luke's attempted rescue of Han at Jabba's palace and between Empire and Return of the Jedi I'm like how much planning and plotting and bribing did Lando and Leia and Luke have to go through to do this infiltration like her supposed capture of Chewie and like the bounty hunter ensemble that she's wearing like how much time did that take to prepare for that Lando is like conveniently already like a plant in the palace so like how long has he been pretending to be that person and then just like all these like gaps in like time like where did they go during this time and what were they doing and it's just really fun to like imagine that like even in my own head um what they were doing in the interim but as far as like joyous things and this just makes me a sap, but seeing Carrie Fisher be Carrie Fisher in anything Carrie Fisher is just always, yeah, always so wonderful. And she gets a lot, I mean, she gets a lot of screen time in a lot of the movies, but there's a lot of really wonderful, like, actual scene work of her, like her scene with Luke when he tells her that she's his sister and her bit with the, um, oh, I know the Ewok has a name, but when she like gets kicked off the speeder and it's just her for like 10 minutes like communicating with this teddy bear i was like i wonder if that was improv and if they were just like okay person in ewok costume you obviously can't speak you just met go like i just love to imagine her just like talking to like <laughs> like her dog or something just be like hey it's okay look this is a hat you want some crackers like so i have a so cute cool. story so i have a cute story about um Carrie Fisher and Wicket, the Ewok, played by Warwick Thank Davis. Um, when I went to Star Wars Celebration Europe in 2016, um, I got to see Carrie Fisher's panel, and Warwick Davis was actually the panel host. And Carrie <laughs> Fisher, of course, had her dog Gary Fisher with her. We love Gary. And um, and Warwick asked her, "Hey, do you want to like recreate our scene from Return of the Jedi?" Um, and she's like, yeah, absolutely. It was so cute. And so she like lies down on the couch she's on and I forget, I must, I guess he must've been using his microphone, but he went to like poke her like he does in the movie with the spear and Gary was yeah. not having it. 
Oh, he no. was like, get away from my mom. He It was so cute because he started barking, trying to protect her. He did not like it. It was so sweet. Oh my God, I love that. Uh, it was, the because I had a really hard time. Like I had never been to a non-Dragon Con con and the rules were different about like how you got in two panels. Um, so actually Carrie oh. Fisher's was the only one that I got to see in person and not in an overflow room. Um, oh, but I mean, that's the one I would have picked, you know, any day of the week right. just to get to be in a room with her. God, I still kick myself. I went to um, performing arts college in New York in like 2009 and 10 when um, wishful drinking was on Broadway Oh and my I god. I'm furious at myself for like not even trying to go. I don't know what I fucking thought I was doing or what, but I never made it and I hate myself for it. <laughs> well, we don't hate you here. It's we can't see everything. <laughs> right, truly. Oh, Watkins, oh it has been such I'm a pleasure. Happy. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're okay. <laughs> I was just gonna say, um, um, any other like cool Star Wars things outside of the parks that you've gotten to do since you like went all the way to Europe for Star Wars Celebration, which is super cool in and of itself. But have you made it to any other cool things? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I have I've I've officially been to Galaxy's Edge in Orlando um, <laughs> and I cried my eyes out. And Did you make a um, lightsaber or a droid? I or paid for my so my little brother is like my Luke Skywalker and I love him and he's my favorite oh. person. So I got him a lightsaber, but I got to go with him. Like I got to be his plus one and watch. And like, again, I wept. It was beautiful. Um, I super recommend, like I, I recommend not spoiling it for yourself. Like don't watch yeah. any videos of it and like totally, okay. totally do it. It was so cool. Fuck yeah. Oh, Oh. All right, I'm going to counter your recommendation with one recommendation, and then I promise I will let you finish the episode. Oh, no. <laughs> go um, for it. If slash when you get the chance to go on a cruise ship ever again, do a Star Wars Day at Sea, or pick a Disney cruise that has a Star Wars Day at Sea. Um, <gasps> what? I, I had a friend who worked on the cruise ships for a time, and I got to go stay with them. And they do, like, themed days every day, obviously. And one, this was one of the first ones that they did the Star Wars stuff. And there's just so much cool content from the whole saga. So it's not just like, um, like Star Tours in Orlando is like Force Moon of Endor. But like, you get, I got to meet so many random characters. And there were like weird, cool panels. And just, the, it was a very immersive experience for being like on a boat in the ocean. And the content, like, on the ship deck at night, they played, like, an eight-minute, like, montage of the whole saga with fireworks. And I just, like, wept. And I was just, like, this shouldn't be as, like, really emotional as it is, but it's very cool. Like, I got to meet Imperial Guards and, like, Zam Wessel. Like, just things that oh, nice. only Disney can do with spare money on a boat that they wouldn't just, like, do in the parks, you know? So, do yourself a favor if you ever get the chance. <laughs> Oh, I am for sure writing that down. That sounds like a dream come true. It was absolutely magical. Well, Watkins, it has been such a pleasure talking about Return of the Jedi with you. Thanks for being our guest today. Um, can you tell you for having me? You're so welcome. Can you tell our listening audience where we can maybe find you, what you're up to? Like give us a give us some more Watkins to to oh, hold sure. on to. Um, my Instagram is at Watkins818. 
Um, I probably should be more active on it. Um, but in a post-pandemic world, hopefully you will see me on a stage near you, I guess is the most vague way I could say that since, you know, no one's working right now. Um, right. But if you have any um, organizing needs, I have a professional organizing business called Sort My Shit, um, which you can also find online at sortmyshit.co or on Instagram at sortmyshit, but the I and shit is an underscore. If you uh -huh. like, um, want me to like come redo your closet while we talk more about Star Wars or something. <laughs> uh, that again, similar to a Star Wars day at sea, sounds like a thing I need desperately. So I will hit you up. <laughs> it would be an absolute honor. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again to Watkins for being our guest today. Uh, Folks at home, we have made it through the original trilogy. So next time we talk to you, we will be who we will be hitting up those prequels. So everybody get a snack, get safe, get ready. Um, I have been Danny Hurd. This is Star Wars Made Me Gay. May the force be with you. From the Make Mom Proud Project, this is Star Wars Made Me Gay. I'm your host, Daniel Hurd. This podcast is produced by Daniel Hurd and Jacob McKee in conjunction with Jake West and Ding Dang Studios. Edited by Jacob McKee. Associate produced by Austin Jeter. Original music by Brady Dunn. Cover art by Joshua Hudson. Special thanks to Maddie and Peter Lopinto. Star Wars is the exclusive property of Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. Ding, ding, ding.